Good morning. How are you doing? Good. That didn't sound too convincing. Okay. How are you doing? Good. Okay. So if you're probably looking, you may have noticed there's something different up here on this stage. And that's because Pastor Shannon is so tall and I am not. And I even wore my heels hoping I'd be able to see over his podium. But we had to grab the backup one because I couldn't see over it. So here we have a different one. Um, so now I can see you. I even wore my glasses so I wouldn't be afraid to see you. Um, and so uh, we are on part three of our sermon series, Crossroads, today. Um, and Pastor Shannon and Pastor Mark have opened up this series so well where we've been tracing the journey of Jesus to the cross. So the cross is absolutely central to Jesus's mission, okay? I hope in the past two weeks you've managed to get that, you've been able to nail that, that truth down, that um, the cross is absolutely central to Jesus's plan for salvation. All right, so here we are, and we're on part three of this sermon series, and you see Jesus went to the cross, a story that a lot of you probably know very well. He went to the cross, and he paid the price for our sins, a price that we could never, ever, ever repay. And I am so thankful and I am so happy that it didn't end there on that cross. It didn't end there right at that moment. But Jesus rose from the dead and he is alive. Amen? Amen. All right. So here we are. We are on, like I said, part three. And we have Jesus who has said that he had to go to the cross. And he told his disciples, I have a mission. My mission is to go to the cross. And I am going that way. But as much as I have a mission of the cross... You, too, have a cross that you need to pick up. You, too, have a mission. So are you coming? So that's where we land today. And I'm going to read from Matthew 16, verse 24. All right? And if there's anything I want you to take away today, if there's anything, if I know that I have won, if I have accomplished, if I have done any success today, it's that you would know this verse, okay? So above anything I say, I want you to leave knowing scripture. I want you to leave knowing the word of God today. So I'm going to say it a dozen times today, so by the end you'll probably have it memorized. Matthew 16 verse 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. All right, so there's four things I want to camp on today when it comes to that. Um, you see, Jesus had a call to the disciples, and then with that call, he gave them three things that they must do. They must deny themselves, they must take up their cross, and they must follow him. So the first thing we're going to look at is the call. All right, so Jesus sent out a call to the disciples. Now, I can only imagine what the disciples were thinking at this point. I mean, they had been with Jesus. They had seen him perform miracles. They had seen him walk on water. They had seen him feed the 5,000. They had seen him um, talk about parables. Like they had, they had heard from the Lord. They had, they had been with God, been with Jesus. And then Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple or whoever wants to be my disciple. So me being a visual person, this is kind of how I just picture it. I kind of picture the disciples just taking a seat back and going, are we, are we hearing Jesus right? Like, Matthew, are you sure he's getting this right? Because does he not realize that we're kind of known for being his disciples? Like, people kind of call us that around here. And Jesus is saying, if you want to be my disciple. You see, Jesus wasn't questioning their salvation, but he was raising the call of discipleship. Okay? And so just as much as Jesus had this message for the disciples, he has that message for us today. 
So there's two things in this call that I want to look at. The first thing is that the invitation is inclusive. So scripture says, whoever, or in other translations it says, if anyone, or whosoever. Jesus doesn't say, if all the pastors in the room want to be my disciple, or if all the perfect people, if that existed, perfect people in the room want to be my disciple. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple. So I don't know what you've brought with you today, what you've come in with, where maybe you've made some mistakes, maybe you're holding on to your past, but maybe you've come and you've already disqualified yourself from this passage. Like maybe you're already looking at this and going, that's not for me, I can't do that, I can't meet that expectation. I want to tell you today that your name is on this invitation. Okay, so when Jesus says, if you, if whoever wants to be my disciple, he's saying, if you want to be my disciple. So he's saying that to me, and he's saying that to you today. So as we go forward, I want you to know that this message isn't just for the disciples, but it is for us as well. The second thing in the call is that the invitation requires a choice. All right? So he says, if you want to be my disciple. It was a choice for the disciples, and it's a choice for you and I. You see, Jesus was actually inviting the disciples to make a choice of a lifetime. Like he is saying, come with me and I will use you and I will move in you and I will speak to you and through you and I'm going to the cross and you need to come too because I'm telling you, this is the best road that you can choose. It may be the least traveled, but it is the best road that you can choose. So he is giving them the offer of a lifetime. But in that moment, the disciples had to count the cost. And so I'm sure for all of us, that's kind of familiar. You know, when you go into a store and somebody's trying to sell you something, you go, well, what's it going to cost me? So I was doing a Google search and found an article, not reliable at all, but for the sake of this illustration, we're going to use it. So it said 30 life-changing things that are worth every penny. So I was like, okay, I'll open it. We'll see. Life-changing. That sounds pretty exciting. So Life-changing. I was like, okay, let's, let's see what is really going to be life-changing. It's going to be worth all my pennies. Everything that I spend on it, life-changing. You won't guess what was the very first thing at the top of that list. A mattress. Life-changing. And not just a mattress, a $12,000 mattress. I mean, I love a good sleep. I really, really do. Um, and I've been living with Mary, and I'm sure she knows that I love a good sleep because I go to bed pretty early and I sleep in. Um, I love a good sleep, but life-changing? Really? Like, a mattress is going to change my life. You see, honestly, when I looked at this, I just saw that this just gives, um, it just testifies to the fact that our world is constantly searching for something that's going to change our life. That's going to take our life and make it amazing. It's going to make it thrilling. It's going to make it great. But then sometimes we pause and we hear this call to discipleship and we go, well, is it worth it? Is it worth the cost? You see, it will cost us everything. It'll cost us everything. But I am telling you that it cost Jesus way more when he died on that cross. Jesus is inviting us to absolute, true life change. And I'm not talking about a mattress kind of life change. I'm talking about a life change that he wants to speak in you. He wants to speak through you. He wants to move in your life. He wants you to go about your day in every area, everything that your hands touch, everything that you speak to, everything that you do. He wants to transform that, and he wants to be so a part of your life that you won't go a single moment without being moved and 
touched by the Lord. That's the kind of life change Jesus is talking about. So then we ask ourselves, are we in? We have the call, and Jesus says, I'm, he doesn't leave us, you know, he doesn't call us and not give us any um, directions on what to do next. He tells us, if you're in, this is what you have to do. So I guess before I go forward, I want to know, are you in? Do you want to know? Do you want to be a part of this? Do you want to experience this true life change? Yes? Okay. <laughs> Good, because I'm going to keep talking anyways. All right. So for point number two we have here, so we have the call, and then we have Jesus says that you must deny yourself. So to, to deny means to forget oneself, to lose sight of oneself and one's own interests, and to affirm that one has no acquaintance or connection with someone. You see, Jesus didn't beat around the bush here. He made it pretty clear what he was asking them. He's saying, disciples, I want you to turn away from your self-interest. I want you to turn away from your self-agenda. I want you to turn away from all the things that you desire, that your flesh desires. I want you to make a full 180 and come after me. In the original Greek, the structure of this word actually refers to a definite, decisive choice with a sense of urgency. So just like the disciples were at a crossroad and were left with a choice, if we want to be his disciples, we have to make a definite, decisive choice with a sense of urgency. We need to understand that we don't want to go a single moment, a single second longer without making this choice to follow Jesus. We have to be willing to say no to things of this world and say yes to the things of God. And now you have to understand that this is very countercultural. I mean, Pastor Shannon touched on it last week, um, and he showed the video of Burger King, have it, have it your way, I think the saying was. Um, our world tells us, pick and choose. You can customize your coffee, you can customize your car, you can customize your life. Take this, leave that, whatever fancies you. Do whatever you want. But Jesus shares a different option. Jesus shares the urgency of the road less traveled. That you may be going on this road and you may see people turning to other things and you may see people trying to go find life change in a mattress, but I'm, I'm offering you this option to come after me, to go to the cross, to pick up your cross and experience true life change. A road of following him that asks us to abandon selfishness to abandon our desires, to abandon what may be our plan, what we may think is good, but for what God knows to be good. So Jesus is calling us to evaluate our ownership. So he's saying he wants us to look at him and understand who's in charge of our life. He doesn't give us a list of things to sell, a list of things that we need to give away and offer up. He actually says, give me everything. You know what I mean? So we sometimes camp on this and we're looking, okay, well, what, do you, what is Jesus asking me to do? Do I need to sell my house? Do I need to give up my job? God's saying, I want you to give me everything. I want you to let me be the king of your life. Denying yourself is choosing to not make yourself your own God. All right? So who sits in the chair directing the calls? Or I read this online somewhere. It said, is Jesus the resident, is Jesus a resident in your life or is he the president of your life? Are you letting Jesus make the calls or are you just inviting him to come along the way? Sometimes we believe the lie that this must mean that God is a fun sucker. We think, oh, well, we're giving up everything and we're exchanging it for less. All right, well, I'll just, you know, give it to God and the rest won't be fun. 
But what a lie. I mean, if the enemy can convince us that it's not worth it, that Jesus isn't worth the cost, that we should just sit and be comfortable and, you know what I mean, it's not, it's not worth it. You shouldn't do it. If he can convince us of that, man, that's a shame. What if I actually told you that the exchange isn't fair? Now, you may be sitting there, you may be going, who is this intern and who gave her that mic? But bear with me for a second. So Jesus says, you see, he's saying, we give our lives, which were created by God, which were designed by God, like he created us, he put us here on this earth. So we give him our lives, and in exchange, he gives us an eternity in heaven with him. Okay? So do you hear me? We give God what was already his And then he turns around and he says, I want to pour out my spirit on you. I want to send you to carry my gospel. I want to send you to go into this world and be used by me and see me move in this world. That doesn't sound like a fair deal to me. It kind of sounds like we scored in that deal. We give Jesus everything. We give him what is already his, and he gives us that. It is so much easier to give when we realize it actually wasn't ours in the first place. So that's our lives, that's our time, that's our finances, that's our decisions, that's our jobs, that's our schooling, all of these things. When you realize that those actually weren't ours in the first place, it makes it so much easier to give to God. So are you willing to lay it all down for Jesus? When Jesus calls us to deny ourselves, he's saying, lay down your will. He's saying, take your will and lay it down. These things that are your desires, your flesh, your personal ambitions, I want you to lay them down. A desire to surrender comes from an outflow of love. So when we actually grow deeper in love with Jesus, when we begin to experience more of God and more of him, when we become more, more in love with him, I'm just convinced that it's going to be so much easier to surrender. And when I say easy, I don't mean the road's going to be easy, but I mean easy as in we're going to understand the urgency. Like when we love God with all that we are, we're not going to be able to go a single moment without surrendering at all to the Lord. What God can do with an obedient heart. When we stand and we go, God, I am yours. Do all that you have, all that you want with my life. I am completely yours. Every compartment of my life, every piece of my life, all that I am, I am yours. I am telling you that when you offer that to God and when you give God an obedient heart, he can do amazing things. You make yourself available for God to do wild, exciting, thrilling things in your life. And if you want more proof, If me talking is not convincing you enough, um, talk to your neighbor after the service and ask them, how have you surrendered your life and seen God move? Because I am telling you that you are going to hear story after story after story of people who have said, God, I'm here, I'm yours, I lay down my will, and they have seen God move in wild, mighty ways. So we have deny yourself. The second thing is to take up your cross. So Jesus says, lay down your will, and pick up mine. In the first century, crucifixion was actually one of the most gruesome and feared forms of execution. It was often used by the Romans, where the accused would be forced to carry a cross or a cross beam. There were actually a bunch of different forms of them that they'd they'd have to carry, um, and they would bring it to the place where they would be beaten and killed. They had to walk themselves to their own death. 
So when Jesus spoke these words of pick up your cross, I just feel like we need to understand that the disciples understood that language. They lived in that culture. They knew what it meant when the accused had to pick up their cross and go. Jesus had explained to the disciples that he was on a mission. Okay, so Jesus was going to his cross. He was embracing his cross, and he's saying, I'm going, and you too have a cross to bear. It's not my cross because you could never carry the weight, and you could never pay the price for your own sin. That's his cross to carry, but he has a cross for us to carry too. He was going to take this symbol, this cross that we see everywhere. We see it on churches. You know, people put it on shirts, on necklaces. We see this symbol But you understand that at the time, that symbol represented death. At the time when people saw a cross, they knew that that meant that somebody was being killed, the most gruesome and feared form of execution. And then Jesus took that cross and he said, I want to make this a symbol of love and of redemption and of grace. And when you come and you repent your sins, I want to give you life and I want to show you that this is no longer a symbol of death, but this is a symbol of love. And Jesus invites us to follow him. Oftentimes people refer to their cross as their pain or their burdens, but I think that Jesus is saying something much deeper here. He's telling us that we need to die to ourselves. We need to die to our own selfish ambition. We need to die to our own self-interest, and we need to pick up his will. We need to pick up his mission. You see, Jesus has a mission for our life where he has called us. That includes every single one of us here. He has called us and he has a mission. And he is saying, you need to pick up that mission and not just pick it up once. You need to pick it up daily. Every morning you need to wake up and you need to say, God, I lay down my will and I pick up your mission. I am ready to go. Denial of self is a prerequisite to complete submission. So I'm going to say that one more time. Denial of self is a prerequisite to complete submission. If we want to carry God's will for our life, his mission, then we need to be willing to put to death our me-centered life. We need to be willing to put to death our me-centered agenda, our me-centered plan, our me-centered future goals, all of these things. We need to be able to deny that, put, lay that down, and pick up his will. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So at this time period, like I said, as I was explaining a bit of the background of what happened when um, people were crucified, um, at this time Forcing the prosecuted to carry their weapon of execution was also used to intimidate others. It was used as like a scare tactic. So when people were carrying their cross, they would gather people around so that people could see and go, if you don't obey the officials, this could happen to you too. So in other words, it was used to make a statement. All right, so when you pick up your cross, when you say, not my will, but yours be done, God, we're making a statement. And we're making, first, we're making a statement to God. We're showing God that, God, you are worth my everything. I surrender all to you. I give it all, all of these things that I've tried to have control over. I lay it all down to you, and I pick up your will. Why? Because it's worth it. Because you're worth it. Because I want to follow you and give you my everything. Because you deserve that. 
It makes a statement saying, I want to glorify God and honor God in every possible way that I can. And the second thing is it makes a statement to others. So it it makes a statement to the people around you that when you live contrary to this world, contrary to this, you know, me-centered life, it's bound to make people curious, for people to ask why. And I was actually at table talks last week, and I was sitting around a table, and there was this one couple there that was sharing a story of somebody that came up to them and said, why are you so loving? Like, just tell us why. We need to figure this out. It makes people curious. So to tell you a little, really brief part of my story, when I um, graduated high school, I went to university for a year. Um, And while being there, I was kind of fighting it a little bit. I was fighting it a lot. And I realized that God was calling me to go to Bible college. And I was like, thanks, but I kind of have this plan, so I'm just going to go with that. So I went to university, and then I finally, it took long enough, but I finally came to the point where I realized that God wanted me to go to Bible college. So I was like, okay, I'll drop out of university, and I'll go to Bible college. And so I'm sitting around with some of my high school friends who are not believers yet, but I'm sitting around with them, and I'm trying to explain to them my decision. And so I'm saying, you know, I, um, I know I spent a lot of money. I, I know that's kind of was my plan, but I'm going to Bible college because I heard God's voice, and I feel like I need to be obedient to that. And I'm, at this point, I am like fully prepared that they're going to look at me and be like, Jessica, you're crazy. Um, and they probably wouldn't be a little bit wrong because I was making a crazy decision. I was, was making a decision that was, you know, counter to what our world tells us to do. But they actually looked at me and they became some of the biggest encouragers and supporters in my decision. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I was telling them that I was listening to God's voice, a God that, that they don't even know personally yet. And I was saying, I need to be obedient. And they're saying, we support you. Why? Because passion makes people curious. They can't help but ask why. That when, you know, when you're obedient and when you do what God's asked you to do, people can't help but see the hand of God at work. In the Roman government, when criminals were forced to carry the crossbeam to their execution, it was considered an act of submission. So it was saying, like, I surrender my life, I come under the authority of the Roman officials, I put my life in their hands. You see, Jesus is calling us to complete submission. He is calling us to come under his authority, to come lay our whole life in his hands for his glory, for his will. But what if it's inconvenient? What if it's unconventional? What if it's uncomfortable? What if people do call you crazy? Will you still do it? Will you still pick up the cross, even if you feel alone, even if you feel like you're, you know, you're risking things in your job place, even if you feel like you're changing your plans, even if you feel like you know, everything that you desired, you're, what your flesh wants, even if you feel like that isn't being satisfied, will you still go? If you want to be a part of the work of the Lord, then you need to pick up the mission that he has for you. If you want to see people come to Jesus and be a part of his work, we need to be willing to go the whole way. We need to be willing to make this decision to pick up his mission, not once, but daily, to say, God, I lay down my will and I pick up yours. So we have the call We have the first thing being deny yourself, the second thing being pick up your cross, and the third thing, follow me. 
Jesus is calling us to lay down our will, to pick up his mission, and go. So is anybody else here awful at directions? No pointing? No one? I literally think I saw one hand. Be honest with me. Okay, thank you. Okay, so I am awful at directions as well. And though I know that I am horrible at directions, sometimes I get like a little bit of unjustified confidence where I think I've got it, where I think I've figured it out. And so not too long ago, I was going to the mall with my sister and my mom in Ottawa, which is where I'm from, and they took one car and I'm driving behind them and they'd given me one direction. Follow us. Got it? Cool. On it. I can do that. So we're driving to the mall, a place that I had been often, um, and we're driving there and my sister made this turn that seemed earlier than what we usually took. And I'm, I'm at the light thinking, that is not the turn we're supposed to take. I mean, that is not the way we usually go. I don't know why you're making that turn. I don't know what decisions you're making in that car, but that's wrong. So her and my mom turn and I'm thinking, I'm going the way we usually go. I'm going to beat them there. In fact, not speeding, but I'm going to beat them there. So I continue driving, and I'm sure you could guess it at this point. I'm driving and driving, and then I realize I did not remember the way to get to the mall. So I'm lost in a subdivision. Like, I've lived there for 17 years. I should not have been lost, but I was lost. And I'm turning around trying to figure out, okay, well, if I can just get back to the road that my sister turned on, then I can just go that way. So I get back to the road, I get on that road, and I realize, oh, I don't know how to get there from here. I knew the turn, but I had no idea what to do next. So I'm sure you can guess that I pulled over, called my sister, and I'm like, I'm lost. And she's like, what? I'm lost. What? I'm lost. I need help. I don't know where I'm going. And so my sister, being the kind, loving, truth-filled person that she is, she says, Jessica, if you had just trusted me and followed me and not gone about your own plan, we would have all made it there just fine. And sometimes I feel like Jesus is saying the same thing to us. I mean, we're, we're standing there going, God, I want to be your disciple. I want to follow your will. I want whatever you desire for my life, but I'm just going to go this way, okay? Is that cool? Like, awesome. You see, Jesus isn't saying, invite me to follow you. Jesus is saying, I'm inviting you to follow me. And sometimes we want to be in that driver's seat. We want to be controlling all the plans and going about our own way. And Jesus, come on. No, no, I want you in my life. Just follow me. Like, I'm going this way. But Jesus is saying, I'm going to the cross. That's where I'm going. And I have a mission for you. So are you coming? Because that's a one-way street. I mean, once you go down there, you don't turn back and pick another road. You keep following me no matter what. In the original Greek, follow actually communicates a continuous action, a habit, a long-term commitment, or a way of life. I like that one, a way of life. So Jesus isn't just calling us to follow him when it's easy, when it's comfortable, when his plans align up with ours. He's calling us to follow him as a way of life, to make this our lifestyle, to say, God, all of me, I give all all that I am, because I know that going on the road that you're calling me to, that is going to be the best road, that that is going to be the best life I could ever live, that that is going to be the best choice that I could ever make to follow you and experience your fullness and experience your goodness and to see you move and be obedient to you. I choose that road. You know, Jesus was used to having crowds. Where he went, 
people gathered. But I just imagine that many people were happy to follow Jesus through Jerusalem, but few were willing to follow him to Calvary, to the cross. You see, Jesus is saying, I want you to follow me when it's easy, when it's comfortable, when things are going great, but I also want you to follow me if things are hard, if things are difficult, if, if you, know, you get bad news from your doctor, if you, this means you have to give up your job, if this means that you, know, you have to change your plans, whatever it takes, it's saying, God, I choose your plan. Even when you can't see what is ahead, he can. So we got to understand that Jesus isn't caught off guard by our, our circumstances. He's not caught off guard when you get a discouraging phone call. He's not caught off guard when obstacles come. He knows. He is with you. He is before you. And he still has control. So as people would carry the cross to their place of execution, they would often be preceded by people yelling at them. So they would be yelling what they did wrong. All right? So when we follow Jesus... I think we can probably expect some yellers. That doesn't sound like too great of a message. Aren't you glad you came to the church today? But you can expect some yellers. You can expect some people, you know, telling you that, you know, it's just not worth it. It's not worth following Jesus. Or telling you, well, why don't you just stay comfortable? Why don't you just keep things the way they are? Don't mess it up. You know, your plan sounds great. Why choose God's? You're going to have some yellers. But when you follow Jesus... I can assure you, actually, I can promise you that God will be present, that God will be with you, that God will be before you, that no matter what, no matter what people are yelling, no matter what people are saying, trying to convince you that it's not worth it, I'm telling you that God is already preparing a way before you. So when you choose his road, you got to understand that he's already walked that road. When you follow Jesus to the cross, he's already went there. When you say, God, I choose you, he is already before you. So to continue a bit of my story um, about going to Bible college, I went to Bible college for the year and I decided, all right, God, I gave you the year, you're welcome, and now I'm going to go do my thing. Now, I really wish wisdom came a little bit faster for me in areas like that, but it took me a while before I realized that God was actually saying, Jessica, I want you to keep going to Bible college, not just a year, I want you to give me the full degree. So I came to the point where I was like, okay, all right, God, I'll do that. And I was actually excited about it at this point. I'm like, okay, I get to go back to the school. I've made friends. I'm connected. This is great. And then I really felt God was saying, Jessica, I don't want you to just go back to school. I actually want you to do your second year through distant education by yourself. And I was like, what? What do you mean? I believe that God was asking me to stay home and do schooling that second year online by myself behind a computer. And I'm going to tell you that I had a lot of yellers at that point. I had people telling me, you know, is this really the right decision? You know, maybe you should just trust God for those finances. Or maybe you should just, why would you remove yourself from a community of people to do schooling in your bedroom by yourself behind a laptop? Why would you make this decision? Are you sure and some people said this with their words. Some people, when I told them, they went, oh, okay. They said it with their expressions. But I knew that a lot of people weren't supporting my decision. But how many people know that when you hear the voice of God, you listen? Yeah? So I heard God's voice, and I was sure that I heard God's voice. So I knew that my only option was to listen. So I said yes. 
And this is when we're supposed to say happily ever after. It was the best, easiest, greatest year of my life. But it was actually one of the hardest years of my life. It was so difficult. A whole bunch of things came up in my life that were difficult. I ended up journeying through my mom walking through cancer that year after I made that decision to stay home. Um, Our youth ministry ended up going through a big transition. It was hard, but it was one of the most rewarding years to that point. And I'm not exaggerating. I'm not just saying this for the sake of the message. I mean that wholeheartedly. That when I made that decision to do what I felt God asked me to do, I really believe I saw God move in me and through me in a way that I just don't know if I would have been available to if I hadn't have said yes to God. And so people were telling me, don't do that. But when you know that God says to do something, you be obedient. It may not be easy. It may not be comfortable. But I can promise you that God will be with you. I can promise you that God will be for you. I can promise you that when you seek him, you will find him. That even if it's not easy, even if it's not comfortable, God is before you in that. So Jesus talked about his cross, and he talked about our cross, and now he's asking, are you in? So there's three action steps I want to give you today. The first one is to take attendance. I want you to look at where you're at and see if there's anything in your life that you have not surrendered to the Lord. This second question This was a really hard one for me to ask myself, so understand that I'm with you when we hear this question. When was the last time being a follower of Christ cost you something? When was the last time saying yes to God meant that you had to say no to something else? When was the last time it was uncomfortable, unconventional, unconventional, sorry? Um, When was the last time that happened? The second thing is to position yourself. If you want to know God's will, if you want to lay down your life and pick up his mission and go, then you need to position yourself to listen to him. You need to position yourself to hear his voice. So are you making space? Are you making time to hear the voice of God? And the third thing is be obedient. Partial obedience is still disobedience. So if we aren't fully obedient with our life, if we aren't saying yes to God in completeness, then we're still being disobedient. So being obedient with your time, being obedient with your finances, being obedient in your workplace, being obedient when everybody's looking and being obedient when nobody's looking, are you being obedient? So I'm going to wrap up here with two things. If you have ignored me this entire time, I'm going to ask you to tune back in, and I'm going to summarize this all for you in two lines, okay? The first thing I want you to remember walking away is Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And the second thing I want you to remember is that disciples fear more the missed opportunity of not surrendering their life than the surrender itself. I'm going to say that one more time. I know that was a bit of a mouthful. Disciples fear more the missed opportunity of not surrendering their life than the surrender itself. So this is me saying that knowing the cost of discipleship, knowing the road that Jesus is calling me to, I see it to be completely worth it. Knowing what God is leading me to, I can't think of any other option. 
Like, I mean, we say we're at a crossroads, but that isn't even, an, the other road isn't even a good option. I don't even want to do that. I, am, I fear way more missing out on what God has for me, what God wants to do in me, what God wants to do through me. I don't want to miss out on that. That, this is us saying that I'm not willing to go a day, I'm not willing to go a moment, I'm not willing to even go another second without saying, God, I surrender all. I give everything to you. I am all in. Like all that I am, everything I have, I am in because I want to experience this life transformation that you have. I want to experience this mission that you have for me where you are going to speak and you are going to move and your presence is going to go before me. I want that. So now that we know the cost, are you in? Are you willing to pick up your cross daily? Are you willing to lay down your will, to lay down your desires, and pick up what Jesus is calling you to do? And are you willing to follow him no matter what? So I'm here, though this may be just... Though this may be uncomfortable, I'm here to take back the misconception that this isn't attractive. Because I'm telling you that there is nothing, I just can't imagine anything more beautiful than God looking at us. Us who have made mistakes, us who are imperfect, and to say, I invite you. Yep, I choose you. You're you're invited to come follow me. That is a beautiful invitation. So though this is uncomfortable, though it costs us everything, Let's not call it unattractive or let's not call it, you know, not worth it. Let's say that this is worth it, that this is the most beautiful invitation that we could ever receive. So I'm going to invite Pastor Kevin and the worship team to come back up. And if you're able to stand, I want you to stand with me right now. Um, Maybe you're here and you have never um, confessed your sin and, and accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I want to let you know that you can make that decision today. You can, you can walk in this door one way and you can walk out a different way. Maybe you're here and you've never said yes to this call to discipleship. You're like, I just, you know what, I don't know if I've actually said, God, I surrender all. Maybe, or maybe you've sung it, but you haven't really meant it. If that's you, I want to let you know that you can make that decision today. And maybe you're here and you're going, Jessica... Thank you, such a good word, but I've done it. I've said yes to God. Well, I just want to remind you that this is a daily decision, right? This isn't a one-time thing. So when we say, God, I surrender all, I give all to you, I pick up my cross daily, that's something we need to do every day because we are human. Now, I'm not saying that you need to ask for salvation every day. When you invite Jesus into your life, you've done that. I'm saying that you need to pick up your cross and say, Jesus, I give it all. I accept this mission. So I am going to ask something that might be a little bit uncomfortable. I'm going to ask something that might be out of your comfort zone. But if you're here today and you're saying, God, I want your will. God, I want to just give everything to you. I want to surrender this all. Maybe I don't even know what I haven't surrendered, but you know, so I just want to make sure it's all covered. I want to surrender all. I don't want to go another minute. I don't know. I don't want to go another second without making this decision. I want to live this full life that you talk about. I want to choose this road that you have called me to. I want to accept this invitation that you have said, I am inviting you to follow me. If that's you, if any of those things are you, I want to invite you to come forward in just a moment, and I'm going to be the first one to step down here because I need that too. 
I want to make that daily decision. I want to say, God, I surrender all. I need you, Lord. I lay down my will. I pick up the mission. I want to follow you. I need to make that decision too. So if you're here and you want prayer, I'm going to invite the prayer team forward to be available. But if you're here and you want to just be in the presence of God, I'm going to ask you, this isn't, this isn't something special about this. It's not something, um, basically what I'm just asking is that you would make an outward expression of what's happening inside. That you would say, knowing the cost, it is worth it. So if that's you today and any of those things apply to you, I want to invite you to come forward and I want to invite you to just enter into the presence of God and maybe you want to sing, maybe you want to get on your knees, maybe you just want to listen and just be in God's presence because that's a good place to be. You chose a good place to be on a Sunday morning to gather together and be in the presence of Jesus. So I'm going to invite you right now, if that is you and you want to surrender all and experience all of the Lord, you can come forward and you can join me.